0: There's Truly Manly Deeply there from Savage Garden. Now, this is gardener's special today. Gardener's question time. We have our expert Laura in. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. And how are you feeling?
1: Uh, A bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah,
0: everyone gets nervous. Now, Laura challenged me to see if we could do every track that has something to do with the garden. So I'm going to try. We've had Savage Garden so far. We didn't start previously from that. But from this moment on, theoretically, everything's to do with the garden or weather. Can I have weather as well?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Suggestions well, from the
0: public. Oh, suggestions from the public. Talking about suggestions from the public. Um, if you want to email at studio at radiobath.com, any questions for Laura? We have loads of questions that come in from Facebook when we put the post out about it. Uh, if you do have any further questions, though, please email at studio at radiobath.com. Or you can private message me on um, my name's Richard Beauvoisin, um, or there's a post out on the Radio Bath feed as well itself. Um, there's loads of questions on there already, which uh, hopefully Laura has some chance of answering at some point. But first of all, we're going to find out a little bit more about Laura. So, Laura, how did you get to become a professional
1: gardener? Well, uh, it was one of those sort of life-changing moments um, when I was made redundant. Uh, I'd previously been in finance for gosh 25 years starting out as bookkeeping um, and then working my way up having done all my uh, accountancy exams Um, and then yeah it it wasn't actually anything to do with Covid or lockdown Um, so in gosh that was January 20 I was made redundant and I thought right this is my opportunity it might only be for a year or two uh, so, I restarted my RHS uh, level two diploma, which i 'd started believe it or not, about twenty years previously as a hobby um, whilst I was um, renovating my first house uh, and hence got into the gardening um, so yes, it was a case of went off uh, to Lackham College um, to do my RHS and started sort of started up my own business went self-employed um during my course and uh yeah that that they say is sort of history and how it started i actually thought it was just going to be i was going to be dabbling for you know a few months during lockdown and thinking that oh because of covid that was going to be the end end of my (laughs) change of career um But it actually had a benefit for me because people were at home, people had um, money that they weren't using to go on holiday, um, so they were spending it on their gardens and that uh, sort of benefited me um, for work. And then word of mouth and it's just sort of steamrolled basically.
0: So, How is it running your own business then? Because if it's just one person, I know when I used to run a business, obviously I run the dance business now. For those that don't know, I'm a dance teacher normally. Laura's one of our dancers as well, and she's a very Yay. good dancer. <laughs> um, but when I, I used to run a business when I was much, much younger, and there was just two of us. And we had those moments sometimes where um, you'd look around and go, I've got nothing to do. But then all of a sudden you're like, how am I going to do everything that I've got? Yes. And that's must be even more challenging when there's just one of you.
1: Yes. Yes. um, I think you have sort of rose-tinted glasses when you first go into being self-employed. You think, oh, being your own boss, uh, don't get me wrong, it's great, I love it, and I wouldn't change it now for the world. Um, But it's a lot of hard work. Um, I suppose I have the benefit, having had done finance, I can do all my own bookkeeping, all my own invoicing, tax returns, etc. So... I didn't have the struggle on that side, but it's the sort of managing my time. Um, I don't like to say no to people, um, and ended up sort of probably having taken on too much work um, at certain times of the year. Uh, But it's yeah, there are times, busy periods of the uh, sort seasonal calendar, where I am sort of completely rushed off my feet. and I sort of get to July when I have my sort of week holiday abroad. And I just think, oh, I don't know if I can cope with this. But you have a week off, you feel a bit more refreshed and you come back. So, but it's a long day. As I, you know, we were talking previously, it's not just the physical work during the day. Because obviously I do all of that myself. You get home and it's the invoicing, it's the bookkeeping, it's your checking your bank accounts, etc, etc. So, yeah, it's... It's, I guess, it's going to be a way of life from now on.
0: Um, It is. It's it's a very strange thing being self-employed and that you think, well, at least I'm I'm my own boss. I can make these decisions. And I think very similar to yourself, I I overbook myself. And then you you don't want to say no to somebody because it means a lot to them as well. Yes. Um, But it's a really hard thing. But it's one of the best things ever to say no I'm sorry I can't do it (laughs) and and they say oh but if I pay you more and you go okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, well it's I I have a lot of elderly clients and obviously I don't like to let them down because often um, I might be their only sort of contact um, that they they see so I like to be sort of I suppose I've always been very professional in my career, whether it was finance or, or in this. Um, so if I book somebody in my diary, I try and keep to it. But uh, there's something called the weather that unfortunately okay. um, can be a bit of a... Uh, it can hinder things. And are, the diary, are, you not,
0: are you not in control of it then?
1: Uh, I wish I was. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, all best laid plans so only ever write in the diary in pencil
0: okay (laughs) so you have your plan for the week and then the weather can obviously decimate that completely yes
1: well I tend to do fortnightly plan um so obviously if I've got fortnightly clients I have weekly clients and then I have um monthly clients so I try and sort of book them as once I've been I'll book them in again, sort of thereafter but it could be that you've booked them in and that day comes around and we're having a typical British summer day and it's pouring with rain. It's (laughs) been
0: fun this summer so far. We had a good June. We did. June was was summer. We've got lots of questions about the weather actually a bit later on (laughs) regarding how it affects um, things as well. Now it's quite a change for you I suppose going from accountancy being in I'm guessing stuffy boardrooms to being in the open air. How how has that changed for you?
1: Being behind a computer for all that time um, it's been quite freeing quite liberating um just being i I know a lot of people have felt this because of covid and lockdown the whole being outdoors the well-being health etc um but there is like take this morning for example got up early and i sat outside on the decking and it was about half past six seven o'clock and there was dew on the grass the birds were singing and the sun was just coming up and it was lovely it was just it just made everything feel right Aww. so yeah that sounds lovely. I get a lot of that from the gardening um as I was saying to you the other day I was at um one of my clients there's a big garden um a lot of pollinator friendly plants there uh, and they've got a wildflower meadow it's on about 15 acres um and there's a river nearby and it was absolutely buzzing with bees and butterflies and to the extent of they they were landing on us um, at this uh, this particular garden I was is work. this the
0: butterflies not the bees
1: thankfully yes okay. yeah yeah um and yeah that was just it's the small little things i think that's what i find now with the gardening you, you you can sort of be a bit more you can slow down a bit you can take an interest in the bugs and the and wildlife and seasons I suppose that's another thing that I've got, become more in tune with is the seasons
0: well, we're going to try and get you in a few times a, a year, actually, for doing these gardener's question times. Um, so this is kind of our introduction one, I suppose. We're going to try and get you in for winter season, spring, summer and autumn. Okay. But would you have a favourite season to work in or to do the gardening?
1: Yes. Well, I've got two, actually. Okay. Um,
0: as long as you don't say you've got four favourite seasons, because <laughs> then it's kind of a weird answer.
1: Well, if I go the other way, actually, summer's probably my least favourite Okay, um, because you have the weather extremes. So last year when we had that 30, 35 degrees, that was awful to work in. Um, And it sort of meant half days because, yeah, (laughs) you were sweating so much. Um, So and everything's doing its thing in the summer. So... And it's mainly lawn mowing. <laughs> Your favourite job.
0: My favourite job. My only job.
1: <laughs> Your only job. Um, so that's, yeah, that's probably my least favourite season is the summer. Um, because there's, I guess, less to do. Yeah. Um, I love spring. I love seeing um, very, sort of early spring. So seeing everything emerging. Everything's fresh and green and lush. Uh, and then I like the autumn because you get a completely different range of plants. Um, the hues of plants change, the light levels change. So spring you have quite a bright intense light. and in the autumn you have a really nice sort of um, I guess a hazy hazy light. The sun's lower in the sky. Uh, and those lovely evenings that remind me of sort of when you were a kid and you have you used to have bonfires in November um yeah just sort of being outside on a crisp evening in the autumn is is lovely
0: so I'm guessing it's early spring and Autumn. Autumn. They're my favourites. Yeah. Oh, that sounds nice. Well, we're going to have a quick break for adverts. When we come back, we're going to find out a bit more about Laura and we're going to start on the questions. So if you do have any questions, it's studio at radiobath.com or you can message me via Facebook and the post that's been out there at the moment. Be keen to get as many questions in as we can. We've got lots in already and Laura's panicking a little bit. She'll be fine, (laughs) but it's our our gardening expert. Now, people often get worried about when I say expert, but Laura, all you have to be is the expert in the room. Okay. And I'll let you know. (laughs) that my expertise ends at the end of the lawn right okay so you are definitely the expert in the room right now which is all good we're back (laughs) after this now i'll be honest i've never heard that song before that's fading like a flower by roxette if you've got any music suggestions My father's given one, which I'll be playing later, sadly. Um, But, uh, yeah, if you've got any music suggestions about gardening or anything to do with that, then we're going to try and theme it like so. That's the plan for today. So we're here with Laura Scott. We didn't actually say where you actually do this either, Laura. So whereabouts do you do your gardening business?
1: Uh, I suppose most of my clients are Trowbridge, um, but I've got a couple of clients in Warminster, uh, North Bradley, Brokers Wood... Melksham, Semington, Holt, Bradford-on-Avon. It's all around the local wheelchair yeah, area. There. Yeah, I try not to go too far, because obviously then you have to take into account travel time. And
0: it's fabulous. Less going, gardening time. And it's fabulous going through Bradford-on-Avon right at the oh, moment. Oh, it's a joy, isn't it's it? It's so much fun. <laughs> um, right, we're going to start with our questions from the public then, okay? So... Let's just point this out, that Laura is an expert in gardening. However, like everything, I'm theoretically an expert in dancing, but I don't know everything about dancing, and Laura doesn't know everything about gardening either. But she has got a fair idea, and as I mentioned earlier, she is the expert in the room, that's for sure, (laughs) except we've just been discussing a particular plant, which we'll come on to later. (laughs) Okay, but not just for yet. Right, so first question, Rob from Facebook. He says, question for Laura, what soil and pH is best for growing bonsai plants?
1: right okay so this isn't my area of expertise because as i just mentioned i don't do house plants no um but uh i know for a fact that um bonsai because for much of its life uh it's going to be in a pot it needs a specific soil and you can actually buy a ready mix um called bonsai soil um online uh and that's got a uh um, pre-mixed ingredient of uh, academia, pumice, lava rock, organic potting compost and grit. Uh, Now you can make your own. I don't know the different ratios that would go in there, Um, but I think the key thing with bonsai or any um, indoor potted plant is making sure it's got good water retention but good drainage uh, and also um, good aeration. And with regards to the pH, uh, about six point five to seven point five.
0: There you go. And this is somebody that's not an expert in this, so um, sound like you know what you're talking about to me. But there we go. Um, Karen says, just generally about composting. I never seem to get it in the ground properly. And when should you do it?
1: So, do is she meaning making compost, or is she meaning composting, as in mulching borders?
0: let's go for the second one
1: okay so mulching borders uh, so you would I mean, my preference for mulching borders is early spring late winter early spring um, and basically you would you can use either a compost or a well rotted manure uh, and by doing it at that time of year you've cut down your perennials that you should have left standing from last year uh, and it will lock in the winter moisture into the soil
0: Okay, fantastic. Question from Dot then, the lovely Dot who was in here a few weeks ago. So she says, when I grow from seed, I have good germination, but the seedlings go leggy and the survival rate after transplanting is not good. What am I doing wrong, Laura?
1: Okay, so depending on whether uh, or what time of um how early in the season is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I've made this mistake myself. You get at the beginning of the year, you get all excited and you start start sowing in sort of late February, March. And sometimes we don't like Dot says, they will germinate, um, but then we don't have the light levels at that time of year. Um, so if they're on a windowsill or in an unheated greenhouse. Um, they will grow and they'll get leggy because they're stretching for light. So insufficient light or irregular light levels normally causes seedlings to go leggy.
0: Okay, so it's about the light. Yeah. It's not like a mushroom where you're kept in the dark and fed no can't finish <laughs> that <laughs> fed sentence on so, fed on manure thank you for the uh, the extra part of that <laughs> it was something we used to say in the REF and that we were kept in the dark like a mushroom yeah so, uh, yeah. so yeah but mushrooms are kept in the which dark which
1: become a very trendy thing now growing mushrooms yeah I've never yeah. grown my it own mushrooms featured RHS Chelsea this year did it a whole stand of mushrooms
0: a whole stand did you go to RHS Chelsea I
1: didn't it's um, on my bucket list have you not been no not to okay. Chelsea I've been to plenty of the others but um yeah, not Chelsea. It's what? Uh, yeah, it's it's quite an expensive event to go to, okay. um, and some I've had mixed sort of reviews. Some people have said, yeah, it's great, the atmosphere is great, but it's one of those shows you've got the huge show gardens by all the famous designers, but you can't actually get on to the actual garden design. You can no. only sort of look from the the barriered the outside. Um, so I. I think I watched 14 uh, episodes of it on the iPlayer because uh, in an ideal world, I would have taken the week off and just watched Chelsea all week on the telly. Um, but hey-ho, I had to work. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I caught, caught up on it on the iPlayer. So that was good. But yeah, all 14 episodes.
0: I was actually listening to somebody the other day saying about um, seeing a comedian in an arena. And they were like, you know... you the theory is you see them on tv and you think oh, i'd like to go and see them and then you go and see them in a big stadium or, or an arena and actually you end up just watching them on the telly anyway because you're so yeah. far away so yeah. you almost get that same feeling i suppose from from the rhs Chelsea yeah CO.
1: yeah because obviously the bbc have got the cameras they can get right in there so you actually get to see probably more um from the tv than if you're there obviously mm-hmm. you don't get to see all of the uh, um the pavilion and the stands, all the other stands, but, yeah, it's... I've been to other shows, and they've been great, really great. Definitely worth, I would recommend, going Are to... Are there the any local RHS shows
0: show. around here, then, that you would go to? Uh,
1: well, uh, I'm not sure of any local ones sort of to do with the RHS, but uh, I know we're going to uh, Malvern, Autumn Show. Um, but this year's been so busy... I haven't had a chance, really, to go to any shows at all. But we do, so myself and my partner, we tend to go to uh, the National Garden Scheme, which, again, is a, a, people open their gardens for charity. OK. Um, and if you Google uh, the NGS, you can basically find a garden in your sort of area, pretty much sort of any through the season sort of april through to october november um a garden nearby that you can go to that oh, so, sounds amazing yeah, now
0: talking yeah. about gardens and very quickly um, we have the classic scenario that a builder's house is never that well upkept because they're doing it all day so i'm going to ask the most awkward question in the world how is your own personal garden
1: um, well I'm a perfectionist okay. by heart um, so I'd like to think that my garden I tend my garden as if at some point the queen could come in <laughs> well actually not the queen, the king, sorry
0: might be a while <laughs> um,
1: yes I. whilst I am quite particular about keeping things tidy I also like things natural okay um so i'll deadhead and i will weed and i will prop things up but other than that the plants are there to do their thing they're there for the pollinators everything in my garden is there for a reason um not necessarily for me um it's for the bees or the butterflies um because that's who we share the gardens with
0: Amazing. Well, we've got loads of questions about all that type of stuff as well. Uh, we're going to have another little break for some music and some adverts. Uh, when we come back, we've got loads, loads more questions to go yet. We've barely scratched the surface. So this is Laura Scott. She's here on Radio Bath today. Gardeners' question time is the theme for today. And we're here till midday. Any questions, pop them in at studio at radiobath.com if you want to email. Or you can text Bath followed by your message to 80011. Back after this.
1: We were great. We were gold. Kind of dream that can't be sold. We were right.
0: So we're theming everything today. It's Richard on here until midday. Uh, So that's car wash by, and this is getting a little bit loose now, Rose Royce. (laughs) I know. Laura's laughing at me, I think in a sympathetic way and also (laughs) in a really way, but there we go. So we're here with Laura Scott. She's a gardening expert, uh, and we're doing gardener's question time. I know. How you doing, Laura?
1: yes okay the nerves are subsiding a little bit yeah um so yeah but uh, i mean uh, i can talk to the cows come home until about gardening
0: you're all good now we're going to talk a little bit about grass now i don't know how much of an expert you are on grass i love grass you love grass okay Let me just shut the window. Um, So, yesterday, I had the pleasure of... I've been away for a bit, and I had the pleasure of getting back to my garden, and we just had Green Thumb round, so they do the, the... the feeding and all of that mm-hmm. and the weeding four times a year yep. and they'd been before i'd gone away we'd had sunshine we'd had rain so therefore Ideal my my garden mm-hmm. was a meadow yep. okay it really was yep. and i only wanted to mow it once i've got a petrol lawn mower and i thought right i'm just gonna mow it okay and i put it on the lowest setting oh, okay no. so i've gone from <laughs> a meadow to the lowest setting how much damage to the grass have i just done because yep. it looks great to me it's short.
1: <laughs> um, At the moment, because we haven't got really high temperatures, it won't be too bad. And also, it's growing quite quickly. So, by next week, you'll be cutting it again. Um, But if you were to do that when we had um, sort of our 27, 30 degree heats, you'd be stressing the grass. Okay. So, when we have temperatures like that, it's better to... to, You can still cut it, um, but do it on a higher setting... So that you still get um, sort of quite a, a big sward on the on the, the grass, um, so that it could cope with the heat.
0: Okay. Now the next part of this then is that we have the pleasure of quite a lot of ants nests oh, in yes. our grass as I think well. A lot
1: of people have that issue at the moment. They
0: do. And yes. I was looking yesterday, and there are what looks like millions of ants growing in about four or five different spots. So is there an easy way to kind of remove them either chemically or non-chemically as well? I was going
1: to say, I garden organically. Okay. So the ants won't do any harm. They're just a nuisance. Um, I have them in my lawn and I've got a new lawn, um, which uh, again is my... Pristine carpet. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it's very annoying. You go to mow and you've got an ant hill. Soils come up. Uh, the best thing to do is if it's dry, try not to mow the lawn if it's wet. Um, but if the the soil's dry, get a grass rake um, or a stiff brush and brush the soil. Uh, back into the lawn rather than just mowing over it with the the mower especially if you've got a mower with a roller on the back because all you'll do is squidge the mud that's the technical term very technical it um, across the surface of the lawn and you'll just end up with um, sort of a mud patch which will then be a lovely invitation for weed seeds Mm. Um, so yeah brush it um stiff brush or a grass rake um and sort of spread it across the soil of the lawn before you mow obviously in your instance because it was knee high that would have been slightly difficult to do challenging so yeah i would have done it at sort of mid-stage after you'd done your first cut and then sort of scraped off the top of the the ants nests okay um (sighs) If it's that bad, if the infestation is that bad, the the most organic thing to do is to actually dig it out okay, and then replace it with some fresh topsoil and either a piece of turf um, or grass seed it.
0: So literally just dig them out? Because they must yeah. go down quite deep, I'm guessing. They
1: do, yeah, but obviously this time of year uh, a lot of the, um, the eggs uh, are at the surface. Yeah, so I saw the that. Flying ants are all hatching and flying off now
0: have we had flying ant day yet because i've i always notice it and then i haven't seen it yet and i saw a few flying ants yesterday in the grass yeah
1: and you know what i i i always used to read about things like that and i'd never seen it until i was at a garden um one day and i was packing tools away and it was a must have been about sort of four o'clock in the afternoon and all of a sudden it just they just leapt up from the lawn and and sort of flying off and it was quite a sight to see so yeah it was uh, one of nature's wonders I've
0: only seen it once and it was a couple of years Mm. ago and uh, yeah it all sounds like why can't I see the fence oh they're ants yeah and you actually couldn't go outside for that little yeah. period because yeah. they were just everywhere. Yeah. And I, I, it's only
1: for a couple of hours. Yeah. And then they've all dispersed and they've gone off to make new nests elsewhere and mate and, yeah.
0: Into somebody else's garden, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, okay, yes. so I've got some digging to do then. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Basically, okay. if
1: you want to do it organically, um, I mean, you could go down the route of boiling water, but obviously yep. that's not going to be very good for you, the, the turf, the grass. No. Uh, and the grass roots, so it might kill your grass off. Um, but live with it. It's also bird food. Yeah. If you, especially if you get the grass rake or the stiff brush and spread the eggs around, the birds will eat the eggs. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I might try a rather, and rather predatory. Them.
1: Invertebrates.
0: I might try and scrape them to start with and see how yeah. that goes and, yeah. then, uh, and then dig them out, I mm-hmm. think. <laughs> they've made some big Huge. patches in my grass. Well, at
1: least it's not a mole. It Imagine if mole. you had a mole, that yeah. would be, you know.
0: Indeed. I don't think we get too many around this. I don't know if we get many moles around this area or not.
1: Uh, I haven't got a garden that I tend that has got a mole. So, okay. yeah, more badger or fox destruction
0: right here's a question from Rosalind. then so she says we've had a lot of rain recently so how can she rectify the damage done to her flowers they're bedding plants so how can she rectify that
1: so um i try not to do bedding for that very reason um if they've been if hanging baskets for example if they've been battered by the rain it's very difficult to to get them to look lively again um obviously deadheading um, and if you can trim any of the sort of the worst broken stems back and give the pot or the container or the border you know a feed um, it should still put on there's still time for it to put on fresh growth but yeah bedding plants and sort of annuals if they get battered by the rain it's yeah
0: so what would you say is your speciality then if bedding plants aren't your aren't your thing then so what is your thing?
1: Uh, I prefer to use perennials um, because they come back year after year. Um, a lot of them are low maintenance. Um, and you've got so much more variety that you can sort of play around with colour schemes. I, I know you can do that with, with bedding and container plants. But I am I don't like to have to spend money every year buying new plants for a display and then the poor little things are going to die off at the end of the year Um, annuals are different Um, I think because if you think of a a bedding plant the um, the cost of what it's been to to sow that seed create it, bring it on and you can buy cheap bedding in gardens uh, well garden centres and other establishments um but sort of going down the whole air miles route depending on where they've come from um you could grow your own at home from seed if you were looking at annuals um so yeah bedding for me is and i guess it has that uh resemblance of sort of years ago when Back in the 60s and the 70s, where people used to have one geranium and a 30 centimetre gap and another geranium. Right. And it was all very positioned okay. as where I prefer more naturalistic um, gardening. You're, you're a
0: bit more of a wild person, is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. I'm, Na- I'm
0: talking about, obviously, gardening here, I'd like to point out.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So bedding wouldn't be my go-to plant. Obviously, I've got clients that want, you know, pots and containers and things. And yes, you know, I do have to to buy them. But for me personally, in my garden, um, I don't use bedding.
0: So you much prefer the wild look, which uh, I think it's lovely. It's more natural, isn't well, it? Well, I
1: mean, you can get a formal look with annuals and with um, perennials. Uh, it's yeah, it's just I find bedding it's not low maintenance you always have to be sort of tending them Um, especially hanging baskets people think that they're sort of quite low maintenance but during the summer months they're not you've got to be watering them feeding them Um, and you know if we have the hot conditions like we've had the past couple of years they dry out Mm. once the hanging basket's dried out it's very difficult to to re-wet the soil again unless you can sort of take it down and put it in a bucket of water and actually sort of leave it for a few hours just to soak up the water, um, it's it's very difficult to, to sort of rewet that soil.
0: Yeah, and, that, and it's nothing worse than a an old hanging basket that looks quite dead on the front of the house. But yeah. um, now Dot's messaged in. So for those that weren't listening earlier, Dot asked the question, when I grow from seed, I have good germination, but the seedlings go leggy and the survival rate when transplanting is not good. What's she doing wrong? She's just messaged in to say a caveat to that is... Would it be worth investing in a daylight overhead light for the propagation?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah, they're quite, quite on trend now. Um, I personally don't have one because um, I'm lucky enough to have a greenhouse. But, yeah, that, if, if, they've, if you haven't got anywhere that's got um, sort of a regular light level, then, yeah, you can use a, a lamp.
0: There you go. So dot the in answer fact, is simply yes. I believe yes. there was
1: somebody on Gardener's World in last week's episode who was doing the same thing.
0: Oh, so, there we go. Yeah right now I've been asking for music suggestions as well and I've had two people so Dot is one of these and Yvonne has also messaged in with the same request and this was the very first track apparently that was played on Radio 1 back in 1967 by Tony Blackbird (laughs) Um, sorry that's my terrible DJ impression for you Um, so it's Flowers in the Rain by the Move I'll be honest with you I don't know this track, OK? I was born slightly later than that, so uh, <laughs> it's not one that's familiar to me. But we're going to find out what this song is. So uh, we're going to have a little break for music and then back with more questions for Laura. If you have any questions, studio at radiobath.com. Woke up one morning half asleep With all my blankets in a heap. Don't think there's enough thunderstorm effects in songs these days. Now I'll be honest I do know that track. When it came on, there's a thunderstorm again. Um yeah, when it came on I thought, actually that's quite a good track. Right, we're here with Laura, we're talking about gardening. Now we we're just talking off air a minute ago and I was openly admitting the fact that you were talking about perennials, annuals, bedding plants. I'll be honest. You know, my expertise in the garden ends at the border of the grass. OK, mm-hmm. so my responsibility is grass. OK. Grass and grass. OK. okay. And I might chop down a hedge, or that type of thing. But...
1: No, you might you know, tr- prune or trim a hedge. Yeah, know, that as Chop well. it down. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you should see my skills. Um, <laughs> so what is the difference between the three of them then?
1: OK, so, um I mean, a bedding plant is potentially an annual as well. Um So by the term annual, it has... A one-year lifespan, so it will germinate um, and flower and set seed all within one season, one year. As where uh, a perennial, which um, I think you get a lot more bang for your buck, is the fact that it comes back every year. Um, It's you—you would. So it grows in the spring. It will grow. From a leafy base. Um, It will flower when it's at its time during the year. So, obviously, you have early perennials, mid season, late perennials. Um, People used to cut them back down in the autumn. Now, the recommendation is to leave it until early spring. Right. Um, But yeah, it will have a, a lifespan of possibly three, four, five, if not more years. So, it will just keep on coming back and also the good thing with perennials is often if you deadhead them they'll keep on flowering
0: okay and where do bulbs sit in all of this then
1: bulbs a bulb
0: bulbs a bulb okay. so it's a
1: perennial it's a per- it, it okay. comes back right it comes back it's it will come back every year unless of course you have the unfortunate scenario we have a bad winter and it might rot off in the soil
0: right okay so. this is education for me as much as anything else <laughs> however we have discovered that there is one area that I am more of an expert than Laura okay and she's I'm not saying she's embarrassed about this fact but I'm very proud at my in my house in the kitchen I've got three orchid plants and I've managed to bring them back about six or seven times they go dormant for a while and then they come back and yeah I've got three different colors and they're all pretty and I uh, people said to me how have you done it and I I know some people like dunk them for a little bit and then take them out. I have a really simple system in that I look at them once in a while and I think they need some water. I pour some water in and I leave them. That's right. kind of where I get to. Yeah. And I, I cut off the odd dead leaf here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, how are your orchid plants, Laura?
1: Well, mine are perennial.
0: They're a perennial, are they? In what way? <laughs> Actually,
1: no, mine are evergreen, to be precise, because they're there all the time. Okay, how's Every that? month. Um, it's a fake one. Oh, <laughs>
0: Well, you did say you didn't do indoor plants, I don't do Im-
1: indoor plants. Um, I know it's a huge industry now. And um, obviously, you know, people living in flats and, and um, places without outdoor spaces. Uh, it is a wonderful way to get sort of greenery uh, in and around you. But I suppose because I love outdoors so much, um, being out in the fresh air and the wildlife... I just can't bring myself to do houseplants because inevitably I will get home from work and on the odd evening that I'm not then doing my bookkeeping, uh, I will be out in my garden. Fair um, Because I have a very big front garden and a very big back garden, um, of which I'm very lucky to have. Um, but, yeah, so it's I just like... Cultivating in my own garden.
0: You love the outdoor plants rather than the indoor plants, yes, which is absolutely yes. fair enough, right? We had a question coming from Steve Stokes, one of our dancers that we have. Okay, so Hi, he Steve. says, "Hi, Steve." He says, uh, "Can you ask Laura whether it's too early to cut my peonies right back, even though they have now flowered beautifully and have been deadheaded?"
1: Um, it's not too early. It's a preference, really. I don't cut mine back purely because it keeps greenery in the border. Um, and if we do have another hot spell, the the peony leaves inevitably are, are quite big and it protects the soil from the baking sun. So it's a preference thing. Um, if you've got other things coming up around it and they're looking really straggly and untidy, a little bit like hellebore leaves as well, they can go quite similar because they're a very early flowering plant. Um, yeah, if you want it to look sort of neat and tidy but from my preference I leave mine if they look fine uh, just to sort of keep that fullness in the border so I haven't got gaps but yeah it, they wouldn't do it any harm um, to cut it back now they've had plenty of time for to sort of photosynthesize because obviously the the leaves take in the rays from the sun and then that feeds the tuber um, but yeah it's it's preference.
0: Okay, question from Jen Williams then. She says, what's the best way to stop slugs and snails eating everything (laughs) without chemicals if possible? Which I know you'd go down that route anyway.
1: Yes, yes. Um, Well, the easiest thing, go out there with a torch at night and pick them off. (laughs) But that's not the ideal situation. Some people are squeamish about slugs. Um, Physical barriers. So if it's pots, you can put copper tape around the pots. Or you can put um, my partner, for example, puts out sources of beer, okay, um, of which they are attracted to, um, and then they die very happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they die drunk. We've they got die drunk, drunk slugs everywhere.
1: Yeah, um, but I, I mean, those horrible little blue pallets yeah. are hopefully a thing of the past. Are they in people's sheds and garages? Um, but yeah, physical barriers. Um, Sheep's wool is okay. a good sort of deterrent. The slugs and snails don't like the texture. Eggshells. Um, somebody mentioned to me the other day uh, coffee beans. Okay. Um, well,
0: yeah. there's quite a number of different solutions already for you. So, yeah, yeah. And as always, if you... you, d- can,
1: you sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, carry on. You can get nematodes these days as well. So this is sachets of um, sort of a paste that you then put into a watering can uh dilute with water um and you water it onto the soil and the nematodes um will then sort of eat the slug eggs that are in the soil because obviously it's not just the ones that you see there's eggs in the soil that will then rehatch
0: Sounds It'll lovely. Catch. Really <laughs> indeed. Hatch. Um, indeed. If anybody is missing some of these parts, by the way, this will be produced as a podcast. Life Off the Stage is the podcast. So if you're thinking, oh, I didn't quite catch that, um, then, uh, yeah, you can listen back to this on Life Off the Stage when it gets released later this week. Now, we've got a few questions from my daughter. Okay, Yay! so are you ready for this? Okay, I, I love these questions. This, so My daughter's seven, my youngest daughter. Okay, so she says, what is the easiest plants to grow?
1: Okay, so growing from seed i would say something like a nasturtium or a cosmos okay They're, what
0: type of plant are they then so
1: they are annuals right okay um if you're talking about a perennial easiest plant to grow is probably uh, napita cat mint unless you have a cat which you do
0: which we do yes
1: he'll probably end up rolling around in it okay so not napita for you right um rudabecchia um or echinacea again perennial you plant it it does its own thing
0: fabulous i will listen back to that so i can actually listen to what they were because they all sound very complicated there's to me There's so
1: many the hmm. if you looked at the rhs plant encyclopedia which i do have by the side of my bed
0: okay <laughs> for light reading
1: light reading at bedtime um then yeah there's there's perennials i just think are the way to go okay um yeah
0: fantastic um how can you tell the difference between a flower and a weed because she says some weeds are pretty
1: they are they are and i have a client um she's probably listening brenda uh she loves her dandelions because she realizes the benefits of them for pollinators and they're pretty yeah obviously you get you know when they go to seed you can have a dandelion in the garden. It's amazing colour at the early season. Yeah. Um, take the seed heads off before they blow away. Right. Obviously, your neighbours won't be...
0: And that's how to stop them from going everywhere?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you, as soon as the flower goes over, take the seed head off and, yeah. Because da-
0: daisies are weeds as well, daisies, aren't they? Daisies, well... But they're such a pretty flower. What is a
1: weed? Yeah. It's a flower in the wrong place. You know, okay. or a daisy, is—it's we think of it as a weed because it's in our lawns. Yeah. But people's attitudes are changing now um, because of climate change, etc., and uh, well-being and health and mental health, that we need to not be so tidy and not be so regimented in our gardens. No. So, you know, accommodate the odd weed. It's...
0: Now the only time I've not been a fan of daisies Because I actually think daisies are are really beautiful The only time I've not been a fan is when uh, We've had loads and loads of rain And my golf course can't get mowed (laughs) And then there's daisies everywhere Which are white Mm -hmm. and then I'm hitting my golf ball Which is white and then you try And find a golf ball in a bunch of daisies that's a challenge but that's a real personal thing for me there yeah, but yeah. um and the last one from from my seven-year-old is what's your favorite color flower so not just what's your favorite flower no. but what's your favorite color flower okay.
1: so my uh, this goes back to uh, okay i'll answer that sorry quickly i guess blues mauves purples okay. that that's color range um of plants um so there's a a colour wheel um which obviously all different industries decorating industry uses um but i find it very interesting when planning borders to use the colour wheel to decide whether or to, to give clients the option of whether they're wanting a cool harmonized border so with whites pinks purples mauves, uh or whether they're wanting a hot border which would be your reds yellows oranges so yeah that's that's a whole i could sort of talk for ages on that because i find it very interesting well you're
0: going to come back a number (laughs) of times a year and no doubt we'll cover that that part at some stage so but blues the general blues type things
1: yeah blues and mauves um just because they're very calming um very relaxing as where if you sit in a garden that's got a lot of hot colors it's you get a sort of a different vibe
0: fabulous um, we're going to come back with uh, some more questions after the break again if you have any questions there's still time to get them in studio at radiobath.com anything to do with gardening and laura will try and answer it for you back after this <music> It's all about gardening today. There's Green Green Grass by George Ezra there. So we're back with Laura. It's our gardening special today. Got a few more questions, and then, of course, it's the quick fire round. Everybody gets the pleasure of doing that. We're going to talk about trees very quickly, about pruning trees. So we have a crab apple tree in our back garden and it's mm-hmm. grown everywhere literally it's almost reaching the house it feels that big now yes, and is, i'll be honest is. i kind of like it but at the same time i don't like it and the reason i don't like it as i mentioned earlier my expertise ends at the edge of the lawn okay. the crab apples drop down <laughs> i'm mowing and i get squelch underneath the lawn mower yeah. drives me insane so i have Does to kind of break drop? them up the apples drop absolutely so tell yeah. how how can we kind of manage that and the crab apple tree
1: You won't stop apples, whether it's a crab apple or eating or cooking apple, you won't stop apples from dropping. They naturally have um, a a time in May that they will drop their excessive fruit. Um, With regards to your crab apple, has it ever been pruned?
0: Yes, I've definitely cut it back on a number of occasions and I've always been told not to go too far.
1: Yeah, so... It depends on what time of year.
0: Yeah. So when is best?
1: Cut it. Let me just. i oh, go on. Say about your so your tree. It could the fact that it's got those tall water shoots um, could be that you've pruned it at the wrong time of year, Ooh. so it's put out all of that growth. Um, the correct time of year for fruit trees, apples and pear trees, is late winter, early spring, um, and you would. The RHS have different types of pruning so you've got formative pruning which basically creates its open goblet shape Um, for an apple tree for example uh, in theory you should have an apple tree so that a bird can fly through it Okay. so an open sort of goblet shape um, and also so that the sunlight can get down through and and ripen the fruits Um, There's maintenance pruning um, which I think is what you're crab apple tree needs mm. um, after a initial formative pruning um, and then restorative and specialised pruning so specialised pruning would be your topiary for example um, if you had a huge box hedge and you wanted to either style it into a cockerel or a cloud prune it, that sort of thing, that's specialised pruning um, so with regards to trees and pruning and when There are a couple of trees that you wouldn't do, most deciduous trees you would do late winter, early spring, when they're dormant. Right. Um, The exceptions for that are birch trees and maples, Um, because of the sap, um, they would be done around sort of November, December, so early winter. Magnolias would be midsummer, so sort of June, July time, and cherry and plum trees so your the other sort of side of the fruit trees your stone fruits Hmm. uh, they would be done between may june and july because if you prune them at other times of the year they're susceptible to a fungal disease called silver leaf okay so that's the yeah stone fruits are during the summer as where your apples and your pears are at the beginning of the
0: year so we also have a cherry tree which has the birds have really enjoyed the cherries yes mine too yeah i
1: don't think i've ever had one cherry off of my tree
0: no so that needs pruning now effectively i know we're in august now but we're not too far from, from july yeah so
1: i need to do mine as well just to sort of keep it in check um but yeah now would be the time even Uh, ornamental um, cherries that you just you know have for the blossom uh again just this time of year for those as well
0: and have you got any tips for you said the birds have always got your cherries as well um any tips for how to stop the birds eating the cherries
1: Uh, depending on the size of your tree um i mean mine's too big but uh, you know when you go to sort of farms that are harvesting cherries they've got nets over them um but if you were container gardening fruit trees you could potentially have uh, a net over them or if you're lucky enough to have acres of ground and you have a polytunnel and they're grown in there obviously you can put screams at the doors but yeah it's it's very difficult very similar to if you have blueberries or if you have raspberries which i have it's getting there before the birds do but
0: well the birds still need to eat at some point yes now a discussion i always like to say it's a discussion never an argument it's always a discussion that i have with my lovely wife (laughs) it's the principle behind so we have some hedges in our in our front garden Mm -hmm. and i i love my battery-powered hedge trimmer yes okay and i get there and i chop it all down and it takes me not that long however obviously some of the leaves are kind of chopped in half and presumably it'd be better to go to the stalk but i'm realistically never going to go with a manual chopper and do all of that because it would take me days yes um but is there a kind of like a halfway house or is there a better method of doing it
1: so what type of hedge is it is would be the first thing i would ask because the smaller leaf uh, privets box, um, escalonias um, they yes, they would be fine with a hedge cutter. if you go up the scale to cherry laurels, if you put a hedge cutter over that, which you can do, and people do, and it chops the leaves in half, it can just leave a teared, ragged
0: mm.
1: a sort of end to the leaf, so on massive hedges, no, in theory or you know you can't be there with a pair of secateurs taking it to the next leaf joint if it's a small hedge and you have the time and the inclination (laughs) you could do it with secateurs or uh, uh, well i mean even with shears, you'll still end up cutting through uh, through the leaf but um yeah it's it's what time you have available and How much you love your hedge. (laughs) I I
0: love my hedges, but however they're going to get chopped.
1: But I Uh, hope you don't cut your hedges until later in the year after the birds have stopped nesting
0: yes of course that's the case yes i, I cut them when they look like they need cutting i suppose mm. is I'm, I'm guessing that's what most people do really they look at it and they think right it's kind of encroaching on the driveway or the it's getting too yeah, tall so i'm just going to chop it down a little bit yeah
1: there's there's sort of the maintenance pruning that you have to do if you can't get the car on the drive then yes you're going to need to cut the hedge but for me it's i always sort of say to 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 clients and to friends and family you know just just be vigilant that it it check if there's any nesting birds because you just never know um yeah i have got a quite a big privet and beech hedge uh in my garden and well it looked a bit like sideshow bob until (laughs) i have i have had to cut one side because i couldn't get down the path
0: there you go um
1: but i try and leave it till august september because i have had sparrows nesting and i was very privileged to have um a pair of robins nesting Aww. at the back of my garage which is very close to the to, um privet hedge so yeah i everything wildlife comes first in my garden
0: so. amazing now we've got time for one more question time's flying by and we're going to get you back in in a couple of months to uh do gardening question part two so i know this is quite dear to your heart so how do you create a sustainable and eco-friendly garden then laura
1: okay well first of all um ditch the chemicals pesticides um and go organic um plant a tree that's been very sort of in all the the news lately um the queen's green canopy um tree in the garden uh, obviously won't probably benefit our lifetime, but hmm. in, or in Parklands, should I say, where they're planting... Uh, vast wooden Trust are planting vast amounts of trees. Um, it's thinking of the future and future generations. But a tree in the garden always gives you that structure. Uh, it gives you a focal point as well. So, yeah, put a tree in the garden. Um, <laughs> I have... Water butts, or excessive amounts of water butts in my garden. Um, that's that would be the first thing. If I if I moved house, that would be the first thing I would do is water butts on all the downpipes um, because it grates me when I have to use the hose pipe hmm. in, when we've had a drought to think that that's clean fresh drinking water that we're having to use yeah um, so yeah use as or save as much rainwater as you can if you can't get a have a water butt and you've only got a shed um, I've even gone to the extent of having um, a pond in a pot. Um, So that gets the runoff from my greenhouse and it means I've just filled the pot with um, marginal plants. So it's almost like a a mini garden in a pot um, and it gets the runoff and I can use the water um, for the garden. Um, Go peat free. So if you are having if you are using bedding plants um, and doing pots and containers, peat free multipurpose compost um, or make your own compost. Um, so I know there was a question earlier on from somebody and we weren't sure whether it was about the mulching or the making Um, but you can obviously buy compost bins online um I actually found out the other day that uh at the right recycle centers they now have an area where you can leave reusable items right. um and uh, a client was getting rid of a plastic uh compost bin to have wooden ones um uh, made um and you can leave it there and you can go and you know the next person might come along who's looking for one same with water butts if you've got spare water butts so that's really good uh, or um, gum tree. People okay. are often either giving them away or you know for a fiver. Uh, so make your own compost. Um,
0: so there's lots and lots of ways there of yep. creating a sustainable and eco-friendly go on. garden. Plant for
1: pollinators. Grow your own. Um, go f- battery-powered.
0: Battery-powered rather than petrol-powered. Yes, to we don't apparently. Want petrol. Lose my lawnmower, but um, I'm sad about that. But let's and move e- on.
1: Even to the extent of if you have a lot of hard landscaping. Um, in in your garden um a lot of patio slabs take up a couple of patio slabs and plant in between it just adds some interest as well
0: fabulous right we're gonna have another little break for adverts when we come back it's quick fire round time Ugh. the bit that everyone's scared about <laughs> i wonder what laura's favorite ice cream is We've had Laura here all morning. She's our gardening expert. It's time for the quick fire round. So, Laura, are you ready for this? Go for it. Okay, so the first one, everybody knows. What is your favourite ice cream?
1: I don't have one. Oh, okay. I don't really do ice cream. Do you not? No, I don't like cold desserts.
0: Okay, that's all right. You don't have to have. You don't have to have. A. Say, Grace Faramond, who did go to the Chelsea Flower Show. Yes. Her answer was crisps. Yeah. Which I still, I'm still <laughs> reeling from. If it makes you feel better. did know they
1: did crisp flavouring. They ice cream.
0: don't. Just her favourite ice cream is crisps. So she prefers
1: crisps to ice. I think cream. that was. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah I think yeah. that was the answer. Um,
1: Actually, if we're talking desserts and if it wasn't ice cream, it would have to be an eaten mess.
0: An eaten mess. Okay. Yeah.
1: Meringue, cream, and raspberries. Oh,
0: there or, we strawberries. Go. or strawberries. Or uh, strawberries. Are you tidy or messy? Oh, tidy. Tidy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: My house doesn't look like it's lived in.
0: Okay. It's that tidy. <laughs> it's a tidy. show
1: home. Uh, okay. This is the thing with my partner. So he's, he's very homely. Um, he likes things around him as where m- my house, I'm minimalist. Okay. So no pictures, no ornaments yeah just there's a sofa and there's a telly and there's (laughs) curtains but not much else
0: fair enough Uh, love or hate roller coasters oh hate them hate them fair enough lots of people love them lots of people hate them there's not very many people that are kind of yeah they're all right yeah kind of in the middle Uh, do you hang your toilet roll over the top or behind the back (laughs) i don't you don't? No. Go on then. Have you got uh, a sideways one, I you? I have a, a, uh,
1: a stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it doesn't does it?
0: Does it have a right way round, though? No. No? No.
1: Life's too short for that, <laughs>
0: Richard. <laughs> uh, if you were going to eat chocolate, would you eat it from the fridge or from the cupboard? From
1: the cupboard. From the cupboard. Yeah. Why is Again, that Again, this is a, a split thing with me and my partner. Yeah. He likes chocolate from the fridge and I like it from the drawer.
0: I'm equally the same in regards I like it from the fridge and Zoe loves it from the (laughs) cupboard. so I always hide it in the fridge Um, I think I know the answer to this one do you make your bed in the morning? No Oh so you're tidy but you don't make your bed
1: Well I like to air it because you know you've been in it all night I like to put the covers back and, and air it and okay. then I will make it I'll pull it back over sort of if I get when I get home from work cuz I have your your pet hate I have cushions.
0: <laughs> Here we are the cushions moment. Go on tell me about your cushions.
1: Uh well you know it's it's nice to dress a room isn't it? So uh, whilst I don't have the ornaments and the pictures <laughs> I do have I have cushions on my bed and I have a throw over my bed. Um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah. So I like to, to dress a room.
0: So can I ask how many cushions do you have on your? Oh, bed there's then? only two. Only two. Yeah. Okay, that's mm-hmm. not too bad. So. I can I can handle yeah. two. We've we've got things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you don't have to do this. Okay, some people have done it, some people have not, and I, I'm happy either way. But. What is, if you were to do it, your go-to karaoke song? I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it?
1: I'd be out the door.
0: Fair enough. You haven't got a karaoke song. <laughs> you don't song. want
1: to hear this voice singing.
0: Oh, I don't know. I, I have, uh, when you do live lounges and stuff, they they almost feel obliged that they have to sing, yeah. which is terrible. No, it's my
1: pet hate, actually. It's is one it? of my pet hates. Yeah, I just, oh, karaoke is just... If somebody invited me to a karaoke, I'd politely, politely decline. <laughs> I, I
0: did it on holiday, and I've I, you know I do radio presenting. I'm on stage most nights doing teaching, dancing. I do lots of different things. I've never been more nervous when I did karaoke on a, yeah. karaoke on holiday yeah. recently. It was, uh, especially
1: uh, if you get a good song, you just you, and you can't do it justice.
0: <laughs> well, I chose a song, and apparently I, I did it all right. Okay. Appar- right. Apparently, so. Right. Um, favorite TV program or film? It can be current. It can be past. Whatever.
1: Oh. Well, it's going to be Gardener's World, isn't it? Gardener's World, (laughs)
0: ah, nicely done. Uh,
1: Or the the sister programme, if you're in Scotland, Beech Grove. Okay. Um, But, yeah, and obviously when they uh, televise the RHS Chelsea Flowers show. Um, But, yeah, I guess it's... Oh, no, actually... um, emily in paris oh we watched that on netflix it is so
0: rubbish it's it's so so good
1: yes exactly it's one of those programs where you can just sit there you can switch off it's not offensive it's colorful it's funny Uh, yeah just a real chill out at the end of the day
0: it is it's a really fun program actually um i mean the product placement in it is quite incredible (laughs) And some of the fashions that are in there are are outstanding.
1: Yes. When it was first advertised, it was said to be a cross between um, Devil Wears Prada and Sex in the City or something. So, yeah. It's just easy watching. It's
0: very easy, isn't it? Uh, Two questions to go then, Laura. Mm -hmm. So, if you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would you be and why? Oh, go on you're gonna have to come with an answer okay
1: well actually having recently been to uh, a falconry day i would probably say a bird of prey Ah, oh, that's yeah. a lovely answer um i've got the whole uh, the gardening as a career has sort of sent my interest levels down into about soil biology insects and wildlife and the the Bird of Prey uh, Day that uh, myself and my partner did was phenomenal. I uh, highly recommend it if anybody's thinking of a birthday or Christmas present. Um, so, yeah, they're just so majestic. Um, Beautiful answer. Yeah, yeah.
0: And last question then, Laura, where is your happy place?
1: In my garden. Come on, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um,
0: it might be that.
1: Richard, my partner, has often sort of said, I don't know how you garden all day and then go home and garden. there you go it's it's what i love it's yeah that's my happy place
0: so laura if anybody did want to get hold of you for gardening purposes how would they do that
1: uh i am on google um under better borders wiltshire um and i'm also on facebook so uh you can locate my contact details on there uh and there's obviously pictures of my gardens that I do um, and I often put updates on my Facebook page as well.
0: Amazing. Um, Laura we're going to have you back in in a few months time we're going okay. to do some more gardening questions. Hope oh, you enjoyed it today Autumn? Yeah.
1: Autumn gardening
0: Autumn gardening. Hope you've enjoyed it today
1: Yes I have. Thank you very much.
0: been an amazing guest so it's been Laura on Radio Bath
1: Blackbird singing in the dead oven